Welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit with us here on Dollars and Cents and to give some attention toward, perhaps even spark some conversation regarding items of financial and economic importance. Now, as we're doing so, you know as a previous listener to Dollars and Cents, we're talking on any number of subjects. And sometimes we're going to, I think we're going to do it again here today, talking on specific companies, you know, looking at their earnings or looking at them as companies in terms of structures, uh, but in doing so, be reminded, and I know you remember this, but it bears repeating, that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you, meaning that even though we're going to be looking at these companies, and again, probably talk about some of the good parts and not so good parts and, and a whole bunch of stuff in between, again, that nothing is intended as a, as a particular recommendation for you. We strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, love to hear from you, love to chat about your particular financial journey and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's northmainfinancial.com. North like the direction, main like the street financial.com. Have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address or a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you again at northmainfinancial.com. All right. Again, thank you so much for tuning into this week's version of Dollars and Cents. As I mentioned, my name is Joshua Doby. I'm a CFP or Certified Financial Planner Professional. And you know, we're in, we're in the format now. Thursday's at four. I'm really glad that you're making time to do this. You may be heading towards the, the end of your work day or, or perhaps you're at home and getting ready to think about the dinner hour. I, I really like this time of the day. Not that there's anything wrong with with high noon like or at, at, um, at 11 like we were before, but I really enjoy this and the good folks here at WSIC have allowed us a little bit more time, so I'm enjoying that as well. But let's get into what's hot. This is usually the first segment that we have here on Dollars and Cents. And when I say what's hot, especially if you're a first-time listener here, I don't want to disappoint you, but I am going to disappoint you. I'm not the hot stock tip guy, just not. I, actually, if I'm, if I'm the one who says I got a hot stock tip, you probably should run in the other direction. But uh, but we do like to talk about the kinds of things, maybe hitting your radar screen, maybe the kinds of things that you're seeing on your news programs, uh, in the newspaper. I, I know I still read. I literally have uh, a newspaper in front of me here. If you're watching us on uh, one of the social feeds here, I do. I like the newsprint. I like to to hold it in my hand, even though I know we're rapidly moving to a place where you know it's all things digital and we swipe left, right, up and down for uh, for those kinds of things. But uh, but it may be the kinds of things, again, that you might be seeing on your news programs or certainly if you're tracking things in the markets and understanding what's happening around us. So let's jump in. Let's get uh, to some things that are what's hot. I think it, it, I'd be hard-pressed. Now, I'm going to cross over some lines here, but I, I think you'll understand in a minute. Uh, I think I'd be hard-pressed that if you watch news at all, that you didn't know that we had uh, first debate among the uh, uh, at least uh, most of the declared Republican presidential candidates last evening. And, and I mentioned that not because this is a political show and not because I'm going to give any commentary from a political standpoint. We got real good folks here at WSIC who are real good at that, and I'm not one of them. So I'm going to talk about some of the financial aspects of things. You may say, what does that have to do with politics? Well, a lot. I mean, think about it. Tax policy, fiscal policy, monetary policy, the whole nine yards about, uh, about how those things go together. Uh, and I, I'm saying that and not to bring any particular attention to the debate last 
night outside of this, make sure you know your candidates. Be an informed voter. Understand truly what what each uh, positional space those folks occupy when it comes to uh, thinking about things that are of a fiscal nature or what are their their desires if they would be elected into office. That's that's huge. I mean, it's a, it's a big, big deal. And you've heard me talk about this before. It's not the first time here on Dollars and Cents. We've talked about the political impacts of certainly of things economic and financial. But just because we happen to have the, the debates last evening, I'm not going to say who won or lost. I, I don't know. There, there, was, there was a lot of, let's say, oh, real important things that were said for the camera. <laughs> That's probably about as, as well as I could say it at this point. What I'm saying is go find out where their positions are from a f- uh, fiscal standpoint, understanding what uh, what they think they would like to do. And then recognize as you do that, that the president in our, in our wonderful country doesn't have unilateral power to do anything that has to do with long-term uh, fiscal or monetary policy. That's, that's certainly the purview of Congress. But it's important, I think, to understand what the priorities may be for somebody who's in that space. So make sure you take a look at that. They all have websites. They They all have position papers and all of that good kind of stuff. Make sure you understand uh, what candidates are, whether it's Republican, Democrat, Green Party. I think we're up to three or four different parties at this point of folks who are running. Uh, So it's important to know what uh, what positions they have if they would be elected into office. Second big item. All right, we're going to shift away from politics. I feel like I almost feel like that that's a that's a time bomb. I hold my hands when we're talking about that kind of thing and hoping to hand it off to somebody else before it explodes. But let's shift a little bit uh, again in terms. Of, of what's hot. And, and this is my end of the universe. It may or may not be your end of the universe, but I'm, I'm going to use an acronym here that you probably have heard in some capacity, and that's AI or artificial intelligence. Now, I'm not a tech person. Uh, I'm not the kind of person who understands what goes into that. I mean, thankfully, I got, I got producer Bill here, uh, WSIC, who does all of these things technical to make sure that I, for at least a few moments, I look like I have an idea of what I'm doing. But boy, if I had to t- switch chairs with him, we would know very quickly that I don't have much of an idea about that kind of stuff. But when we're we're talking about things with artificial intelligence, I'm bringing that up, again, not because I'm a technical expert in any way, but rather looking at it from the standpoint of the companies, uh, certainly the publicly traded companies, those are the ones that that we're following the closest at North Main Financial, uh, the publicly traded companies who are heavily involved with it. And one of the biggest ones, and, and biggest literally in terms of market capitalization, uh, had earnings last night. It's a group called NVIDIA. It's not, this is not a recommendation to buy, to sell, or to hold NVIDIA at all. But they came out with their earnings last, e- last evening and really overwhelmed the market, I would say, in a positive kind of way. I mean, just amazing in terms of the explosive growth in the AI or artificial intelligence uh, end of things. And they, uh, they, they are the designers, I should say. They actually don't produce them, uh, but they are the designers of some of the most expensive, first of all, and then some of the most prolific or capable uh, semiconductors that uh, that are in the market today for artificial intelligence. Now, they do all kinds of things. They, they design chips for the gaming industry, meaning video game uh, industry, driverless cars. I mean, all, you probably have some kind of laptop or, or uh, iPad or, or some other kind of device, your phones, which probably have uh, some kind of uh, NVIDIA chip uh, associated with them. Again, not making a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold them, just to be aware uh, that that industry continues to move in pretty dynamic directions. Uh, I, I don't think it's it's out of place at this point to say that that's going to continue the artificial intelligence end of the uh, technology advancements that are going to continue to be a significant portion of our lives. Uh, how much and, and what is it, you know, what are the long-term ramifications or the macro 
ramifications on it. I don't think anybody knows. And I think at this point, it would be speculation. I've heard some rather dire sorts of uh, predictions about what artificial intelligence is going to mean. I, I probably am not in that camp. It reminds me a little bit of uh, some of the dire predictions that were uh, that were floating around whenever the internet was uh, literally starting to come online to the masses, to the public uh, there in the mid to late 1990s. And I, and I sat in on dozens dozens of presentations uh, about them from so-called experts who predicted things like there would be no more retail stores, there'd be no you know, no more reason to have office buildings. Uh, friends, I should probably tell you that we have more square footage in retail spaces and office buildings now than we have had in our history uh, at any time. So here we are some 25 odd years later and uh, it, it, we have more square footage in those areas than we've ever had. So so important to keep that kind of thing in mind. It, it, important as we're as we're looking at um, you know what artificial intelligence means and, and understanding again as as we're talking about here some of the companies that are involved with it, uh, big deal, big deal. And, and again, it's not to uh, buy, sell, or hold any of these, but to be aware of it especially and to understand what that may mean as far as your overall portfolio if you're inclined to those kinds of things or not, and uh, and making sure that uh, that you understand what they are. So we're going to uh, we're going to take a few seconds here in uh, in just a few moments to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Welcome back to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter. Uh, if you will, producer Bill, it's football season, first one. Uh, first uh, metaphor for the uh, for the sports there, um, and I think we have the, we have the Panthers coming up tomorrow, I believe, uh, if uh, if memory serves. I'm really hoping for this has not much to do with things financial, but really hoping to uh, see some improvement tomorrow from uh, from our hometown Carolina Panthers here. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully as we get into the regular season, we'll be ready to go. All right, that complete sidebar there, but I appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents. Just as we were going to break there, and actually I'm mean, I'm even going to back up a little bit. Uh, one to make sure that you have opportunity if you'd like to call here into the studio if there are particular items that are on your mind maybe some things you're seeing on your headlines or on the news programs and you'd like to hear us uh, give attention to them here on dollars and cents can't promise it i can't promise it in that specific show but if we can't then we'll make sure that we include it in a future show because we certainly want this to be relevant to the kinds of things that are on your radar screen feel free to give us a buzz 844-STUDIO-4 that's 844-788-3464 again 844-STUDIO-4 Studio 4 uh, here at uh, the WSIC studios. I'd love to hear from you, and, and certainly if I can integrate it into the program here, I'd love to do that. And uh, and so please feel free to do that at any time. All right, uh, another side item here. This this has, I can't really say it has much to do with it from a financial standpoint, but certainly as part of the news, and, and a significant portion of what we do at North Main Financial is to go through voluminous amounts of data and reports and news and, and those kinds of things in order to be, yes, up to date on, on what's happening, but also so that we can make the best decisions and most informed decisions that we can on behalf of our clients. But as part of that this morning, I'm reading a, a short story about uh, a, a moon landing and moon as in the moon that surrounds the earth uh, and, uh, and and by uh, done by the country of India. Now, what was kind of interesting to me from a numbers standpoint in looking at that, I mean, there are a number, number of pretty interesting details on that. But what was most interesting to me as I was looking at that, the budget that the country of India has for their space program, 
uh, is about a billion and a half dollars, so $1.5 billion. Uh, at least this was that coming out of the Wall Street Journal this morning. A uh, billion and a half dollars. And our budget here for NASA uh, here in uh, in our country is $25 billion. So pretty amazing on uh, on less than 10% of, uh, of, of what our budget is that they were able to get a craft to land on the moon. And I understand by the South Pole, which doesn't have particular relevance, I don't think, to temperature because I think it's all pretty non-inhabitable in that space. But, uh, but that happens to be where they land. It's just kind of an interesting sidebar there. All right. So again, looking at, at the kinds of things that, that may be hot on your radar screen and or certainly from a um, uh, from a relevance standpoint, I want to bring out a, a couple of this. This again came through the journal. I like to make sure that you know my sources uh, for things that are not just out in the pure public domain. And these, are, uh, these next data points are, are coming from actually some commentary in the journal here over the last week or so. And uh, so you may have seen something like this, but it's it's relevant to all of us, I, I dare say, or I should say for almost all of us. Uh, and it has to do with the automobile market. Now, uh, there are obviously a number of companies that are publicly traded that are in the new car market, the used car market, certainly the service, supply, vendor end of things. We could talk about any number of companies. I'm really looking at it from a more of a macro standpoint in terms of the automobile industry overall. And I'm going to start with probably something that is that, that you will recognize uh, very quickly because I've, I've talked about it a lot, right, over the last year and a half talking about interest rates. And uh, and when we're looking at interest rates, we're looking at car loan rates right now. And uh, there are several different data points I want to bring out to you here on dollars and cents. But one of the big ones is car loan rates, as you can probably surmise because of how much of an increase that we've had in interest rates overall, car loan rates right now have uh, have gone up notably. Uh, new car loan rates on average, 8 9%. Used car loan rates on average, double digits, 11 12 13% right now. So significant. I mean, especially from coming from a time when you know, we were looking at new car uh, loan rates in, in the low single digits, twos, even ones. Sometimes you could even get a 0% uh, car loan rate. Now we're seeing them in the 9 to 13% range. Uh, huge. I mean, huge, huge increase in there, and that will have some effect on the automobile market. Certainly, it will have an effect, you know, for folks who are needing to be mindful of a budget in uh, in how much they're able, um, how much car they're able to buy, or at least how much car loan that they're able to take on. Uh, here's here's another nuance, and I and I've seen this uh, a lot. I, I'm sure you've seen it as as well. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, prices for cars. And I'm speaking to new cars here for just a moment. Uh, the used car market also very, very challenging right now. But uh, but the prices for new cars, and, and I believe this these data are correct. And, and I, I've not done it, I'm taking it really pretty directly from the journal. Uh, there is one, count it one, new car model that is publicly available that is under $20,000 sticker price. One. And it's a, it's a Mitsubishi, and it's it, it's stripped down. There's not a whole lot associated with it. One new car model, according to this report, that uh, that is under twenty thousand dollars. On the other end of the spectrum, right now, there are at least again according to this report, and I would say it's probably in the ballpark if this isn't exactly accurate. There are thirty two models that are over a hundred thousand dollars. In terms of sticker price, 32 models over $100,000 of sticker price. I mean, I, I was just looking recently 
very, really kind of innocently just looking around at what was available uh, in terms of, uh, of SUVs. And I uh, was looking at some of our local dealerships, and I was amazed at the number of cars on their lots, which were over cars, SUVs, uh, trucks, etc., over $100,000. Just amazing. I know I'm going to show my age here uh, when, when I say to you that I bought a home for significantly less than $100,000 uh, earlier in uh, in my youth. And uh, and it wasn't it wasn't a, a terribly small home, uh, at least I didn't think that it was. Uh, so it, it was it was a property of some substance uh, for significantly less than $100,000. And here we are now with uh, with cars, a n- number of them, not just one or not just the ultra high end of uh, of models, but 32 uh, at least according to this report which are over $100,000. So you couple uh, that space so you couple that that um, that space, especially I'm talking about the new car market here, but not dissimilar uh, with where the uh, the used car market is, maybe a little bit less right now, and significantly higher interest rates. So you have elevated prices, significantly higher interest rates. That's going to pinch budgets. That's that's not the kind of thing that it, that can easily be absorbed by everybody. And so I think there's going there's going to be some level of impact. We haven't seen it yet, but there's going to be some level of impact on the car market. Uh, that that is. Uh, a significant uptick. The the increase um, uh, just uh, just since 2020, the increase in the average uh, car price. Again, speaking to new car prices, over 35 percent. Over 35 percent in about three and a half years. I mean, 10 percent at you know or more on average each year for the last three and a half years. It's huge. That's a huge, especially when we're talking about big numbers, right? Especially when we're putting big numbers associated with it. That's a huge amount of gain in a relatively short amount of time. And uh, and, and there was some commentary, and you, you've heard me talk about this, and I am going to talk more about this, uh, not just today, but also in, uh, in subsequent shows here. I, I do think this is going to be a huge kind of event. Uh, and I don't mean that to be, to be engaging in hyperbole, but rather to talk about the fact that it, it's going to be huge in our country. And that has to do with the fact that federal student loan payments are going to restart. And uh, and you've heard me say this a number of times. So one of the things we're watching very closely at North Main Financial with uh, with federal student loan payments restarting here in the next 30 to 60 days. I don't think it's the kind of thing that we're going to see is uh, is negatively impactful overnight, but I'm watching very closely in the next 3, 6, 12 months about how that gets reintegrated into the budgets for so many of our young professionals who haven't had to pay on those federal student loans here for the last three and a half years. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not sure it's going to be pretty. And, uh, and I'm not saying that because I'm trying to predict in any kind of way, but I'm coupling it with this idea and some of these data points on, on new and used automobiles here in this country. I mean, there, there's only so much stretch in most budgets. There's only so many places that you can go with uh, with the budgeting process. And so where's the give? You know, where where is where are the points that be where folks are going to pull back? Because to this point, and, and I, I guess I should say this relative to, uh, to what we see with the number of Amazon trucks around, the consumer has not stopped spending. I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, we look at a whole slew of data points with regularity at North Main Financial. Uh, the consumer continues to spend, but at a certain point, the consumer runs out of resources or credit, one or the other, and uh, and so there there continues to be the, a very elevated amount of spending. Whether it's or whether we're talking about travel, whether we're talking about widgets that uh, that Amazon or some other delivery service brings to us, uh, I mean. Th- the consumer has has been pretty relentless in spending, and and so when we're looking at that, and we're looking at you know elevated things like automobile prices, which impact so many of us, most of us certainly who are working, 
And when we're looking at, you know, the kinds of things like elevated rates and now federal uh, student loan payments now ramping up again, what does that mean? And I don't mean to paint a particularly negative picture here when I'm, when I'm bringing these things to you, although I do feel like I've been talking about negative stuff. That's not very nice. I'll shift it up. I promise. Hang with us. But, uh, but I mean, looking at where things are uh, overall, it, it, it does provoke a note of caution, at least in, in our end of the world at North Main Financial. When we're looking at those kinds of things and, and trying to understand and ascertain what that means in a go-forward kind of way, there has to be some net negative effect. I mean, if we look at the Federal Reserve, for example, and what they've done here over the last year and a half, the intended effect is that things cool off a little bit, that things slow down, that consumers slows down, that there are, you know, there not that real estate slows down a, a little bit, not not stop, not crash, but uh, but to, but to slow down the inflation or slow down the speed at which things are appreciating, and uh, and, the, and their primary means of doing that is to raise uh, raise interest rates or raise the cost of capital. So uh, see, and now, so we're talking about cars, we're talking about budgets. We're talking about, you know, federal student loans uh, kicking in. I mean, there are, there are a lot of concerns that, uh, that, that are out there. And again, I feel like I'm painting an overly negative uh, kind of picture on it, not really intending to do that, but really bringing it as a note of caution. In the second half of today's show, we're going to be talking more about what's happening in the markets right now. That's a little teaser. I want you to hang with us into the second half here. But, um, but I definitely want to, to raise these items for concern because they do impact us economically. They do impact us in terms of our budgets. They do impact us in terms of what kinds of decisions that we make when it comes to our financial lives. So that's why you know, here on, uh, on Dollars and Cents, we want to bring these kinds of things to you so that as you're looking at the environment, you know, as, as you're looking at how things are going together and you're trying to piece together you know, the things that are necessary for you to, to get about your day-to-day, -to, -day, to engage in your job, to take kids to school, all of those good kinds of things, and then throw in, all right, let's plan for retirement, let's set aside some savings, let's do that kind of thing, how to integrate it all together. Well, we're going to take a break here as we hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. It's Dollars and Cent with certified financial planner Joshua Doby on the new 1059 100.7 WSIC. Welcome back to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us in the second half. This week's version of Dollars and Cents. Appreciate so much for taking the time to, uh, to spend some time we're th as we're thinking about things, all things financial, economic, what's happening in the world around us. First half of today's show, if you missed it, which, by the way, if you did, you can always find uh, us on WSICnews.com. You can see a little bit about us, North Main Financial. You can see past shows, all that good kind of stuff. So if you want to get back, there and, and take a look at what we did in the first half of the show. Well, I'm not going to discourage you from doing that. So, so please, uh, please feel free to do that. As uh, before, we get started here, and uh, I'm, I'm going to share a name with you that I know is familiar to you. Uh, he has a show here on WSIC called Town Talk. Uh, Bill Russell has called in, and uh, Bill, it's good to be with you. Thanks for calling in to Dollars and Cents. Josh, we appreciate it, and, and thank you. Last night we had a function for our entrepreneurs, and you were a sponsor of that. Our Lake Norman Leaders and Legends, I want to thank you for your support of entrepreneurship in Lake Norman. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, Bill. That really was a great occasion last night. We had opportunity to be with some some true leaders and legends uh, here in, in the Lake Norman region who have been committed to uh, just all things uh, small business related here for a very long time. That was a lot of fun. Thanks. It was. Josh, I got a question of you. Um, sure. I'm, I'm continually asked, uh, we're looking probably at a 2.5 
billion dollar school bond from Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. Right. Chamber hasn't taken a position on it yet. Uh, we may be looking at a municipal bond for the town of Huntersville. And I'm often asked, how does that really work? I mean, how does the taxpayer involved? Uh, can you explain how the bond process works, whether it's a, a county uh, school bond or whether mm-hmm. it's a municipal bond? Absolutely. Great, great question, Bill, because, you know, that's one of the things that it certainly gets a lot of press, right? I mean, th- those kinds of things, as they're, whether it's for uh, our local public schools here with CMS or, or if the town of Huntersville, I know Cornelius uh, had a bond issue here several years ago. Uh, th- th- those kinds of things certainly hit the waves. But in terms of actually understanding how they go together, I'm not sure that that's always displayed to the public. Yeah, and, and there are several different types and several different kinds uh, of bonds. But uh, let me let me narrow very quickly. Let me talk about the school bond. That's probably the uh, the easiest one to do here in uh, in the shortest amount of time. I mean, you know, when a school, when a public school, so public school is obviously taxpayer funded, uh, whether it's uh, coming from the local level or the state level, it is taxpayer funded. And so when they issue a bond and, uh, and, and they uh, going through the approval process, I'm going to skip beyond that and talk more about the structure of the bond. That bond then is an obligation of the school district. And of course, if the school district then, the public school district, is uh, it, uh, obviously funded by taxpayer dollars, then the taxpayer, by implication and by fiscal reality, is on the hook for, uh, for, for, the, um, uh, for the commitment of the bond, both for the interest payments and then also for the principal. Now, the, the funding mechanism is through taxes. Right, so for for public schools, we have school taxes, which uh, which fund all manner of things, including being able to take care of uh, of those bo- those bonds that uh, that are being issued. So when we're looking at it in terms of a balance sheet kind of thing, it's an obligation of the school district. But really, what it is when we're talking about public schools, it's an obligation of the taxpayer, and uh, and so the the school district through the school board then is is required to manage that in certain ways, obviously for the good of the school district. Now, the one that's being uh, discussed, I know. For, uh, for CMS, something they've done several times before, maybe many times uh, previously. So this is not a new or a unique kind of situation. They're looking to issue a bond in order to fund capital projects, meaning that they're wanting to fund the building of new schools, they're wanting to, uh, to, to acquire some real estate, to replace some aging schools. I know there's a possibility even uh, in, in Cornelius here uh, of replacing the elementary school. So, uh, so they're very often used when we're talking about school bonds. And like I said, there are other Nonprofits, other types of bond structures. I'm looking very specifically at this one, but uh, but they're used in that way in order to be able to pay for that. Obviously, those are very, very, very expensive kinds of projects, and uh, and there just simply isn't enough within the annual budget to be able to address those. So it's a very common mechanism which is used where they sell bonds. So there becomes an underwriting process. There becomes a, a financial entity, often a bank or, or an investment bank, which is underwriting that or sponsoring it or making sure that uh, that folks know that those bonds are out there when they're getting ready to be issued. And then they are sold to, to the investing public. And there's no obligation for anybody to buy them. It's like any other uh, investment. But if the investment bank is doing its job, it lines up a number of entities, whether they be other uh, corporations, whether they be pension funds, whether they be individuals, uh, other trading firms, to be able to buy those bonds once they are issued on the market. That's really their job. Their, their job is to do that, to make sure that there is enough buying interest for those bonds. And generally speaking, when it comes to municipal bonds like school bonds, generally speaking, there is enough uh, buying interest 
pretty much all the time. So that it's it's a process, but generally speaking, that's out there. So then then the um, you know if, if you would buy one, Bill, if I would buy one, if anybody else would buy one, you certainly can uh, through a broker as those bonds become public. Then you own that bond, and you have uh, the opportunity to hold on to that bond to collect interest. And then when that bond matures, often 10, 20, 30 years down the road, you have the opportunity then to collect your principal. So uh, so when we look at it from the investor standpoint, I would be buying it, you would be buying it, or the invest in public would be buying it for the opportunity to have some tax advantaged interest that would be paid to us in exchange for buying that bond. The school though, the school has it as an obligation because not only are they required to pay interest on it during that time that the bond is outstanding, but then as the bond matures, then they're going to need to pay the principal as well. So when we say the school is responsible, again, we need to be reminded, especially when it comes to municipal debt, and this would apply, like you said, Huntersville is looking at it uh, as well uh, for municipal bond. This would be very similar in that regard. Cornelius uh, did a bond issuance as well. They're responsible for the interest on those payment, or the interest on those principals until they, uh, until they mature, then they're responsible for the principal repayment back to the investor. So there's there's a significant obligation there. But when it comes to, again, taxpayer-funded entities, whether they're municipalities or public schools or nonprofit hospitals or states uh, as well or other state agencies, uh, then there there is an obligation there. And it is the obligation by explicitly then by the taxpayer because that's how those entities are funded. They are funded through taxing authority. And, uh, and specifically, when we're looking at school bonds, very often it's a it's a, a function of or a part of uh, real estate taxes. And uh, and there's a segment or there's a delineation there that shows what amount is is for schools. But uh, but that's the primary funding mechanism. They're not commercial entities. You know, they're not the kinds of things that that uh, that that are they're selling something or they're offering something up for for commercial consumption. So it is uh, very, it is very much those um, those taxing authorities which allow for that to happen. It's a it's a big deal. I'm really glad you raised the question, Bill, because it's it's a very big deal, and and it gets political quickly, and uh, and and I understand that. I'm not going to brush too close to that uh, for for means of this discussion. But I think it's important for folks to know uh, about how the bonds and bond issuances go together. I mean, there, there's a lot of discussion, and I know I'm going on a lot about this, but there's there, there's a lot to this. This this is good stuff. Go ahead, Bill. I really appreciate you reviewing it, and uh, again, this is this is a question we get all asked very often. So thank you very much for taking the time to to really go through it. I appreciate it, but I appreciate you calling in with the question as well. Thank you so much for uh, for doing that, and and uh, folks and, and friends, I, I think this is important. I, and when, certainly, when we're talking about things economic and financial, uh, and this is yeah, you know, this is yes, it's macro, but it's also very micro. Uh, yes, it does become a political kind of uh, of conversation, but it, it's it's important to understand how it goes together. For example, and and there are lots of different avenues we could take with this. And I, yes, I do. I get excited about this kind of stuff. You may find it maybe far less than excited, but it impacts all of us. For example, uh, Cornelius here just uh, just a couple of uh, several years ago now uh, went through uh, a bond issuance, and there was a lot of discussion around that time. And I'm sure it's true for CMS, uh, for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. I'm sure it's true with Huntersville uh, as they're going through their due diligence processes uh, with that. But about b- about bond rating or about the town rating. Now think about a town rating, municipality rating, state rating. Uh, we just uh, actually I had some issues with regards to the rating for the United States for the country. 
when it comes to uh, when it comes to bond rating. Um, but think about the rating or that grade, kind of like our personal credit scores. That's really what they are. Only they do it with letters instead of numbers, meaning that they are graded by letters instead of numbers. You want it, you want to have something that has one of the one of the first letters of the alphabet. You want to be something that is uh, is A or you could be double A or even triple A. Triple A are are the best ones, the highest credit, uh, lowest risk uh, kinds of uh, kinds of scenarios, and uh, and that was and continues to be true for Cornelius. But if they get to a space where, in the opinion of the rating agencies, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment, where the rating agencies think that uh, a certain municipality or a certain entity or a certain state or in this instance, uh, well, I'm going to talk about it in a minute with the country, with the U.S., where they have too much debt or are not in a strong fiscal position to be able to manage the debt that they have, they will downgrade. And, uh, and those rating agencies will, will move the, their rating or their, their credit rating for that particular entity, whether it's a town or a nonprofit hospital or a public school district. They will, and then, then when they do that, if they reduce the rating, the cost of borrowing goes up. Again, think of it a lot like our own personal credit scores. If we have a lower credit score, our cost to borrow, whether it's a mortgage, an auto loan, or anything of the like, is significantly higher than someone who has a higher credit score. Same thing with municipalities. Same thing with, again, with, uh, with public school districts. If in the, in the estimation, if, if in the analysis and evaluation by our most publicly used uh, rating agencies that, uh, that that particular entity is not strong financially, it will reflect it. And you can find it in my end of the world. You know, we're looking at uh, just huge amounts of, of, uh, of data with regards to particular bond entities or particular entities which are trying to sell bonds on the market, be they nonprofit or be they commercial. And I mean, you see all kinds. I mean, I'd, I'd love to say that everybody's a AAA risk, but frankly, in order to have AAA risks, you got to have things that are not AAA risks. And uh, there are a lot out there. And there are a lot that are in some pretty precarious kinds of uh, financial situations. You heard me talk about the U.S. No, the U.S. is not in a precarious financial situation. However, we did have uh, the, the rating agency Moody's downgrade uh, U.S. debt or, or, or the U.S. Um, credit rating from a AAA to a AA. It's a big deal. I mean, it's it's a big deal. And again, that's it's not a cataclysmic thing at this point. It does raise the cost of borrowing. It does mean that there are going to be additional challenges for us with regards to our debt. And that's that's more of a macro picture kind of thing, but it applies to municipalities, applies to nonprofit hospitals, applies to, uh, again, our public schools as well. So, But uh, very important to keep in mind, it impacts all of us because we, the taxpayer, are the ones who fund those entities. So pay attention, be aware of it. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. Hello, and welcome back to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the fourth quarter of today's show. It's football season. I, I'm just going to use football metaphors pretty much nonstop now. I'm going to talk about things like getting across the goal line, putting it through the goalposts, and all that good kind of stuff pretty much nonstop. So you're going you're gonna to have to bear with me here uh, for uh, for the next several months, well, probably all the way up through the Super Bowl and all that good kind of stuff in January. Anyhow, it is football season, one of my favorite times of year, but I appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents, especially to our live stream folks as well. So if you're watching us, on Facebook, on Twitter, YouTube. Uh, help, help me out, Bill. Anything, any, we're, we're all over the place. Uh, when, when, 
X. I, I, I'm still saying Twitter. Oh, see, that, that, that probably just turned off everybody who's, uh, who's watching on X right now, too. Golly, I'll get there. I'll get there. But anyhow, thank you so much in whatever medium you're using. Or if you're using like I do, I listen to 105.9 FM here at the lake where you can listen us, to us there as well. So thank you so much for, uh, for hanging with us. The last segment, if you happen to miss it, and definitely go to WSICnews.com. Take a, take a listen to it if you didn't happen to listen to it. Not because you're going to hear my voice, but because we had a call in from Bill Russell, who has a show also here on WSIC called Town Talk. And Bill is, is our president of the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce and uh, very heavily involved in our small business community, um, but also because it bumps in constantly to the political a- aspect of things, very well attuned to what's happening in uh, in our political arenas as well. And he raised the question because it's on, uh, it's on the radar screen for our, our, our large public school district, CMS, Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools here in Mecklenburg County, and also for the town of Huntersville, and I know there are other, some other local municipalities within the WSIC reach who are also considering this. That has to do with bond issuances. And so I'm not going to go all the way into it again. It's it's a big deal with regards to understanding how they're put together. You don't have to get into all the nuances of underwriting, but understand how they go together, and then specifically when it comes to public entities, which are taxpayer-funded, the fact that they are taxpayer obligations and what that means. And, you know, what, what are the, you know, what are the structures in terms of how that goes together? So very important. It's good to be informed in all kinds of things, but, but certainly on that. So take a listen over there at WSICnews.com. All right. Fourth quarter here as, uh, as we're going into things, I do have to, I do have to raise uh, one. And this is, I should have put this with what's hot. Well, maybe not what's hot, maybe what's not hot at, uh, at this point. Uh, and that has to do with Peloton. Now, if I, when I say that name, I think that most folks know about Peloton or at least know that Peloton uh, is in the exercise business, fitness business, and, uh, and most especially with their exercise bikes. But I was informed as I was having this conversation earlier on today that they are so much more than bikes. And that's, I'm sure that's true. They have other kinds of exercise opportunities, uh, probably as they're trying to broaden the base. However, the reason why I'm bringing them up is because, unfortunately, tough times at, uh, at Peloton. Again, Again, this is not recommendation to buy, sell, or hold the stock. I'm not saying that at all, but rather just a, a, a relay of, uh, of what was shared from the company, uh, really in a tough space. Stock fell another 25-odd percent or so. It is down 95% from where it was at just that – just unbelievable high during the pandemic. You may recall uh, during the pandemic as things were locked down and folks were not you know, staying at home, obviously not going to things like gyms or fitness centers, that uh, that there was just an overwhelming demand almost overnight for Peloton bikes so that folks could work out at home. And uh, and so there was a real crimp on, you had to wait weeks. I know some folks waited several months for uh, for their Peloton bikes to arrive. So there was this huge demand. And because it's a publicly traded company, the stock went through the roof for the understandable reasons. Uh, however, that has not continued, uh, and, and I don't know if it's a, a combination of maybe saturation of the market or because we're obviously able to go back to our gyms in our fitness centers now that, uh, that the demand has fallen off so much, but stock down 95%, and they actually, uh, from the company itself, so they're going to be cash flow negative here for the next couple of quarters. So unfortunate news on that end. So I, I got to put that in the what's not hot. That's not what's hot. That's what's not hot, but definitely might be on your radar screen. Uh, I, I Actually, I, I've ridden a Peloton bike. It's, it's kind of interesting. 
interesting, but I'll tell you, and this is just because I'm an old curmudgeonly type, that uh, I, I can't get around the fact that it's just another exercise bike. And if you're anywhere near my age, you remember what exercise bikes were like when we were growing up. They were definitely not fashion statements. <laughs> so I guess they were fashion statements from the fact that we used to hang clothes on them in order to dry after uh, after we were done with the wash. That was really it uh, for uh, for those kinds of things. Anyhow, very different now. Um, and, uh, and again, tough times uh, there at Pelotons. All right. I promised you that we take a look a little bit more at the overall market here before we uh, we close out this this week's dollars and cents show. Let's let's go ahead and do that. Let's talk about some things about where we are. Uh, definitely different right now. I mean, especially in our high flyers. Um, when you know, I talked about Nvidia having a blowout quarter uh, there earlier in the show, talking about where things are uh, with that. Again, not a re recommendation to buy, sell, or hold uh, Nvidia, but just really remarking on that in the technology end of things and in the the more explosive in a positive way uh, end of the technology market. But overall. It's been it's been a pretty ugly August. I think if you look at it in terms of certainly our most popular indices, which are out there, definitely not desirable. Definitely not the kind of thing that uh, that you're you're saying, boy, this has been an enjoyable month. I'm not saying that because you know the sky's falling or or anything like that, or you know it's it's nothing at all along those lines. However, definitely taking a breather, definitely pulling back a little bit. So I think that's important. Frankly, I think it's healthy. I think it's an important part of the process. I know that you know when I say that sometimes the clients they look at me a little a little sideways, saying you you actually want the market to go down. I do periodically. Uh, otherwise, it, it doesn't validate the movements that we make in a positive direction. Don't want to get too deep from a psychological standpoint here, but it absolutely is true. Uh, there needs to be some rotation. There needs to be some cyclicality in the markets in order to justify valuations, in order to make, frankly, a legitimate investment. So, uh, so I'm actually kind of glad, especially the things that, that were just going just great blazes. I mean, I, I mentioned NVIDIA, and I don't mean to keep bringing them up. They just happen to have their uh, earnings last night. But they're up 250% in eight and a half months, the stock price is. Again, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold. But holy smokes, there's nothing that's built to, to grow that fast uh, for any sustained period of time. And uh, But certainly they have uh, in that space. But there are whole other segments of the market. If we're talking financials, if we're talking pharmaceuticals, if we're talking utilities, I mean, uh, oil uh, and, and energy, end of things. Things, oil, gas, energy, uh, end of things, have not had uh, a, a good end of the market, meaning they've not had good uh, experience here from a return standpoint as measured by their stock prices here year to date. So I, I think that's important. It's important to reflect on it. But I think it's also important when we're looking at portfolios and we're looking at our investments, whether we're doing it on behalf of our clients at North Main Financial, you're looking at your own and doing your own evaluation or with your advisor. I mean, de definitely something that you want to keep in mind, uh, because again, it, in a breather kind of scenario, it's, I think it's a good opportunity to take a look at things. How are your allocations? Are you positioned in the ways that you want to be? Do, are you skewed now? We're seeing that a lot. We're seeing a, a lot where you know certain parts of of portfolios are you know very much appreciated, other parts of the portfolios not as appreciated. What can happen is you get hyper concentrated. You actually get into spaces where you're just you're just overbalanced or unbalanced, I should say, overbalanced. You can't be overbalanced. It's unbalanced, right? And you want to get back into where you should be because you may be taking more risk and you don't even know it. And that's very, very, very important. It's not something that, that is on most folks' radar screens, frankly, whenever their portfolios are growing. They don't think about how much risk they're taking because it's going up, right? Must be right. This must, must be the way that things go. Well, okay. 
until things go in the other direction, which, as you heard me say here just a few moments ago, I like for them to do periodically uh, to do that. But then we start thinking about risk, right? We think about risk whenever things are going in a negative direction, like, oh, my gosh, I took too much. Well, the time to think about that, the time to do that evaluation is you got it before that happens. Once it happens, so you, you got to muddle through it. You got to, you got to, you know, st stay to your guns in order to be able to get the uh, return back in there. Because all, all that's going to happen if you sell at your low, you're going to lock in your losses. And I know that's easy to say, especially when we're where we're looking at it from you know a different vantage point than than where you may be. But that really is all that happens there. And so that's very important when you're looking at balance, when you're looking at allocation, when you're looking at you know, are you know, are you concentrated unnaturally in one way or another. You want to make sure you want to make sure that uh, that you're doing that before the market pulls back, not after. All right. So looking at the overall market again. So we're getting this we're getting this question constantly as well. All right. What about the balance of the year? Kids are getting back to school. We're starting to think about Labor Day. Before you know it, it's going to be Halloween. I'm sure. I mean, I, I I'm probably going to see Christmas decorations around before sometime uh, here. I'm sure while it's still hot out. Which, by the way, here in North Carolina, it is blazing hot right now. Summer certainly has not left us yet. But uh, but getting a lot of questions about what we're looking at and seeing for the balance of the year, especially as we're looking uh, talking about market performance. A lot of unknowns. I mean, we're certainly, certainly going to get into the noisiness, uh, even in greater ways of the presidential election season. So that's definitely going to uh, to, to be hazy in the market. The Federal Reserve Board uh, is in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which I'm thinking, you know what, that's a really nice place to meet uh, for for a meeting talking about uh, talking about fiscal policy. But um, no, there's there's a lot of uh, attention being given to whether they're going to raise again, and if so, how much. Then, of course, on the other side of things, are they going to start cutting rates? at some point. No way to know that for certain, but a lot of unknown uh, at uh, at this point. And certainly looking at it from history, we seem to be closer to the top of the raising cycle than we are to the bottom. Uh, I think that's that's reasonable to say at this point. So if we're closer to the, to the end of the cycle, what does that mean? It probably means that we're going to get a pause from the Federal Reserve in terms of any adjustment to rates for, uh, for several months. Historically speaking, at least three to six months before they do anything to, uh, to take a look at it again, uh, because they want to see what the net effects are uh, from that, from all of these raises that we've had here over the last year and a quarter or so. So, uh, so that's definitely on our radar screen before the year end. And that will have implications, you know, especially as the market is able to quantify a little bit about now what the, would be the end of the raising cycle. Pricing becomes easier. Uh, taking a look at extrapolations becomes that much easier as well. Well, friends, we're rapidly approaching the end of this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Doing a lightning fast recap here. Talking about where we see things overall in the market right now. They're cooling down. They really are. It's not nearly at the same blazing pace that uh, that we were previously. That's a good thing. I know it seems counterintuitive, but it's good to see that. And then with regards to what comes next for the balance of the year, stay tuned. That's a little teaser. I want to see you next week here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.